today, people ask me, but Ludo, you're totally crazy to move into organic agriculture in Champagne because the climate in Champagne is very tough. You have a lot of rain, a lot of humidity, it's very cold. It will create a disease that we call the mildew, you know, that is going to kill the vineyard, the grapes. So why are you doing this? And I told them, I'm not mad. I should be mad not to do it. Because, mm. yes, removing herbicide, pesticides, and chemical fertilizer is so important. Philosophy, it's a way of life. You believe in it or you don't believe in it. I am not here to judge anybody who are doing it or not doing it. I'm just saying that at Telman, this is our philosophy. That is our way of working. And uh, because we believe that's the right path to go. Yeah. And this is lead the team, right? This is not follow the team. So you're you're leading your team and you're leading your industry in this. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hello, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back. I've got a doozy coming your way right now. I've got Ludovic Duplessis, who is the CEO and president of Telmont, which is part of the Remy Cointreau Group. And Telmont is a century-old champagne house. That's right, champagne house founded back in 1912. Ludovic has dedicated his career to luxury wines and spirits for over 20 years, spending 10 years at Dom Perignon and Moet Chandon. Ludovic joined Louis Tres until he identified Champagne Telmont, which we're going to talk about today. He made Telmont's introduction to Remy Cointreau Group, which shares the same values as Telmont. Time, terroir, people, and Remy Cointreau welcoming the initiative purchased a majority share in Telmont Champagne in October 2020. Now, back to Ludovic. Ludovic is passionate about protecting Telmont's master craftsmanship and sustainability, focusing on organic agriculture. At a time, but only 4% of champagne vineyards are certified for organic production. Through his passion, the brand certified the initiative Au Nom d'Atre, please excuse my French, which stands for In the Name of Mother Nature, pushing the limits in champagne in order to reduce carbon footprint. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Ludovic, welcome to lead the team, sir. <laughs> Thanks. I love what I hear. It looks like a movie teaser. I loved it. Thanks for the intro, Ben. Um, yes, um, thanks. I'm very happy to, to so, be with you. So for the listeners today, uh, let's tell them where we are. I'm, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, where I often am for our interviews. Where do you happen to be zooming in from today? I am direct live from Champagne uh, in a small village named Damry near Epernay. And voila, in France, because Champagne comes from France for sure. Yeah, so just, I mean, I think a lot of people probably know that, but many do not. That champagne is champagne because it comes from champagne. <laughs> yes, it's a region in France. You know, it's an appellation contrôlée. And voila, all the grapes are coming from this region. So 
you can be called champagne only if it comes from champagne. An, an important distinction to make. So executive leaders, when you're out at your business dinners, watch out. Don't step into that trap of making the mistake on where champagne comes from. <laughs> you just heard it straight <laughs> from the mouth. And so before we get going here, Ludovic, I've got to ask you too, what's it like having Leonardo DiCaprio as an investor? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's start. <laughs> we'll start direct with Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I would say for us, the fact that Leo joined uh, Telmont and joined our project uh, brings a lot of credibility in uh, what we are trying to achieve in terms of sustainability. You know that he uh, is really after sustainability, spokesperson, United Nations, uh, climate change. And what we are trying to do at Telmont is really we are trying to change uh, some games, change the rules and uh, in Champagne in terms of, uh, of sustainability. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we took a lot of bold commitments. We have a project that we named after, in the name of Mother Nature. Maybe we are going into that after, but mm-hmm. more into details. But that's why, well, Leo joined us, and it's really for us, like, uh, it helps us to, to accelerate uh, and to go faster and to spread the good words of our message of sustainability. So we are very happy to to have him on board. Yeah, amazing. And it's got, is it, uh, so you, you and you're, you have a really star-studded career when it comes to the spirits industry, champagne and whatnot, luxury wines. What, what's it like interacting with an international celebrity on that level? When you're talking, you're not necessarily asking about movies, right? You're talking business. Is uh, what, what? How does that conversation go? You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's about no, but it's it's very simple huh? because at the end of the day, uh, uh, Leonardo is is very simple when it uh, starts mm. to uh, sustainability. You know, uh, it starts with, uh, uh, I would say, taking the right. Um, taking the right move uh, in your industry and to try to uh, decrease your carbon footprint as much as you can. So it's a very simple conversation between two men who wanted to try to do stuff. And we took common sense decision, yeah. you know, like a very common mm. sense. Uh, and, uh, and it's all about that. So it's about finding common ground or it's about finding um, common terroir, perhaps, uh, to focus the conversation. So, uh, yeah, I like that. Now, give us a little bit of the backstory there, because how, how did you actually get into the champagne world, and how did you come across Telmont? Because it seems very specific and very niche. Were you like a, a young boy thinking, man, I see I see everybody having a good time drinking champagne. I'm not old enough to do that yet. I got to get into that industry, or... <laughs> what was the moment where you're like, hey, I, I, this, that's for me? Uh, you know, it's, the, the answer is very simple. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to have a, a grandfather who started the first restaurant in the Caraib in St. Martin Island. You are in the beginning of the 60s there. He hmm. created this restaurant, then the mini club. So since I'm super, when I was young, you know, I was born and raised in Paris. But during the summer, I was going to the Caribbean to see, to meet my grandfather. And so I started to, to taste the wine. He made my wine education. And I started to fall in love with different wine and champagne. And so I decided to make that, this passion, to make it my uh, my life and my job. And I was lucky enough to, uh, to go in a career hmm. in the wine and spirits business. Uh, but my first job, to be honest, was in the cigar business. Mm. I was, uh, yes, I was working for cigars from Cuba, from Honduras, and for Dominican Republic. Uh, 
I did that for four years and um, I decided to create the best testing for my top 10 clients. Top 10 clients. I told them we're going to make a testing of Cuban cigars and champagne. Hmm. And then they told me, Ludo, it's not possible. The cigar is going to kill the champagne. You are drinking like a sparkling. No, 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 no. I said, trust me. So we did a cigar from Trinidad. Uh, the brand is Trinidad, but it's a cigar from Cuba. Okay. And my grandfather told me the best champagne ever is Dom Perignon. All the time he was telling me that. So I called the house of Dom Perignon. And uh, they were, I was lucky enough, they sent me six bottles. And the winemaker, Richard Geoffroy the guy who makes John Perignon, the Pope of Champagne. And uh, I did my speech with my top 10 clients. And then I give the mic to Richard. And Richard made the speech. And I fall in love with the man, with the charisma, with his way of talking about the champagne. And that wow. day, it was in 2004, I decided to stop uh, Cuban cigars and to jump into the champagne universe and to work for Richard Geoffroy, for Don Perignon. And he told me, you know, I'm the winemaker. I don't know if there's any position. So find, find a new job before you, uh, you uh, get rid of your job, because, before you resign. And, uh, well, I was lucky enough. I went on the website and I've seen this job opportunity, uh, Dom Perignon, brand manager for the French market. And here we go. I call him. I am your Frenchman for the French market, for Dom Perignon. And it was a love story for 10 years. And I worked 10 years with him. And it was beautiful. That was my starting point for Champagne. Wow. Okay. Well, one thing, <laughs> that's interesting. And uh, yes, yeah, cigars. So cigars were sort of the gateway for you to pick up momentum and get more connected to uh, champagne. And man, you ran with it. It's interesting too. You went for one of the top brands immediately because someone said, "Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this sort of, I don't know what you call it, a joint venture or a uh, co-product with cigars and champagne, yeah. you might as well go to the top." And yeah, so, yeah. So my sense is, and I want to ask you this now. So I grew up, had you know, exposed to wine, but not in great detail until uh, years ago. I was in this was you know I was, I was quite young, and I was in uh, Denver, and we had this wine, uh, a really cool wine tasting class. And suddenly, the person was explaining the 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 the, the different. Uh, history of the wine, uh, the, the Appalachian uh, or, or the terroirs and the different, just the different elements that go into wine and what made it so special. And suddenly I was hooked. I was like, man, this is a really, this is a really special thing. And I, and it go, but what, what I think back, what really clicked for me was storytelling. Someone could and made me like, I had not been to France at the time. I had not been to Napa at the time. And, but some, they were able to make me feel like I knew what was going on there and really appreciate, um, what was going on there. And so what I think is, and I want to get your perspective on this. I think what some of the top storytelling and branding often comes from, uh, the wine and champagne industry, What's your, <laughs> I don't, because because I, it's so essential. Because how much? I mean, how, how much are we talking? I mean, it's it, it's it's a small land, small land in France, right? Yeah, you're yeah, bringing sure. it to the world. So how, yeah, what's yeah, your yeah. take? But I think for me, you know, uh, uh, the best storytelling is when it's coming from your heart. It's uh, yes. it's something yes. that you really uh, that was life that really happens. Yeah, you can tell a story if it really happens to you. And for me, it happens to me. 
I ran into uh, Richard Geoffroy, the Pope of Champagne. I was seduced by the man, by his charisma, and, he did, and I decided to quit everything for him. Yes, and so, yes. after ten, so after 10 years, uh, the group Rémi Cointreau, who owns uh, Rémi Martin and Louis XIII in the Cognac, uh, asked me to, uh, to come and join them and to lead the, the Cognac house Louis XIII. I did that seven years. I had a blast. And then I told myself, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And I said, I love champagne. I would love to buy a champagne house. Is it possible to buy a champagne house? Wow, probably not. Let's try. Hmm. So uh, I ran into, I, I ran onto my bicycle. And during the weekend, I was going in Champagne from Paris. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then I visited 20, 30 Champagne houses. And one really uh, got me. And I always told myself, if you check the four boxes, Ludo, you have to dive. It's for you. You do it the rest of your life. What were the four boxes? First, it has to be a century-old house with an amazing story. Hmm. Second, it has to be a family business. The family needs to be here because it's about heritage, passion. Third, the wine, the champagne needs to be amazing. And fourth, it has, they have to already started the organic agriculture conversion. So important mm. to me, which means no herbicide, no pesticides, and no chemical fertilizers. And when I saw this champagne house named Talmont, wow, I was shocked that I didn't know about the champagne house. It was born 1912, and I didn't know about it. And it checked mm. the four boxes. And I always told myself, if you find a champagne house and that got these four boxes checked, you go for it. So I found some investors. Um, I went to see uh, the owner and the president, the CEO of the group, Rémi Quattro, and the owner, uh, the family who owns the group. And I told mm -hmm. them about my project, Telmont, to make it really uh, uh, one of the most leading the sustainability in Champagne with a project in the name of Mother Nature, with all the commitments that we wanted. And they said, yeah, we love the project. We are with you. Let's do it together. And uh, that's how the adventure starts for Telmont. Wow. So you're on a bike, a bicycle, and you're going down the road and you're like, wow. And you noticed, did you, you had not seen this place before, Telmont. You're like, no, hey, that looks you, interesting. And no, no, yeah. No, but you, you know, uh, drove her back up to it and said, no, you know, you, you start to talk. Uh, it, uh, it, for me, it was a process of two years of going back and forth and uh, talk okay. with people. Uh -huh. And I heard that name. So I went to visit them. Uh, and I visit a lot of them before, but, and I was really, I was the only one that was wow. checking the four boxes. A lot of champagne house checked two boxes, three boxes, but the four boxes with the organic conversion, no, because only 4% of champagne today, total champagne is certified organic. So it's very difficult to find a champagne house to buy first. And one, which is already in conversion to organic, wow, much more difficult. So uh, Ludovic, I'm really glad that you shared that story with us. Going back to what I originally said, I, I know you're a master of of telling stories and under people, you know, communicating that passion through a story vehicle. And we talk a lot about on Lead the Team about the importance of having a leadership vision. And what's so what really strikes me there is you had a vision of these four things that you were looking for. You didn't know if it existed. You hoped it existed. Um and you visited many champagne houses 
And that day, you know, you, you ran across something that, that checked, but, but the reason you knew was because you had a vision for what you were looking for. So when you happen upon Talmont, you could really make things happen, uh, and, and, and make it, it sounds like happen fairly quickly. And so your vision was really, it sounds like also heavily weighted towards what an organically produced champagne could be. Why, uh, for the listeners, explain to them why is organic so important when it when it comes to champagne? I would say uh, yes, yes. I think it's very important to uh, to to talk a little bit about it. Uh, in our vineyards, first, what we do is biodiversity. It's very important to start by that. So today we we uh, we plant charms. We have the cover crops. We really take care of the soils. That's the mm. first step. But we don't stop there. That's very important not to stop there. We go one step further by going to organic agriculture, which means that we do not put any herbicides, pesticides, and chemical fertilizers. And so mm. for me, it goes, it, goes, it, goes, uh, it goes along with biodiversity. It's just to have you know, some living soils and... Uh, that's very important, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a philosophy. It's a way of life. Mm. And we believe that the wine is good. If the earth is true, if the earth is beautiful and it starts with the soil. So that's why today we want to move our estate and our wine grower partners into the organic agriculture. Mm. It will take times. We are not going to do that, you know, by night overnight on our estates. We are already 83% certified or in conversion, which is great. And we sell wine grower partners. We are now at 45% of them already certified or in conversion. So we are going into the, the right directions. And today people ask me, but Ludo, you're totally crazy to move into organic agriculture in Champagne because the climate in Champagne is very tough. You have mm -hmm. a lot of rain, a lot of humidity. It's very cold. It will create the disease that we call the mildew, you know, that is going to kill the vineyard, mm. the grapes. So why are you doing this? And I told them, I'm not mad. I should be mad not to do it. Because, mm. yes, removing herbicide, pesticides, and chemical fertilizer is so important. So, again, uh, if we want to have some living soils, and, uh, and uh, voilà, this is a philosophy, you know. And Bertrand, uh, L'Hôpital, with the fourth generation, uh, of the family who create uh, this story of uh, Talmont, uh, already start the organic agriculture in 2010. So 12 mm. years ago, you know, uh, his father and his sister told him, no, no, you don't do organic agriculture in our vineyards. You do it in your vineyards if you want, but not in our vineyards. So he was going against his family. So that's why I'm, wow. you, I'm telling you, it's a philosophy, it's a way of life. You mm. believe in it or you don't believe in it. I am not here to judge anybody who are doing it or not doing it. I'm just saying that at Telmont, this is our philosophy. That is our way of working. And uh, because we believe that's the right path to go. Yeah. And this is lead the team, right? This is not follow the team. So you're, you're leading your team and you're leading your industry in this. And some people will not, will, will choose other champagne houses will choose not to follow, but some might, and they can learn from you. And you know, yeah, but be... you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, uh, I think it's a philosophy. But we don't want to stop there. 
uh, in the name of Mother Nature is a very, uh, I would say, uh, I don't know how to say that in English. It's, it's a very strong project with bold commitments. It starts with the earth, with the vineyards, but we go really, really further than that, beyond that. We, uh, we measure our carbon footprint uh, uh, with the help of a quantist. We're specialized there. We realize that the scope three is the one with the most uh, CO2 emissions. And these CO2 emissions coming mm. from where? Packaging and the bottle. Mm. So mm. we decided to act and to take some bold commitments to reduce the packaging and to reduce uh, CO2 emissions because of the bottle. I'm going to give you a few examples. Yes. Packaging. Packaging. You know, in Champagne, and very true in November, December, a lot of gift boxes. You know, it's, it's, it is, a, I would say, a race after gift boxes. At Telmont, we decided to stop to remove all the packaging. There is no gift boxes. Our hashtag mm. is stop, stop gift boxes. Why are we doing that? We are doing that because the average time the average lifetime of a gift box is less than one minute. And it takes at least three years to make one of our bottles. So, uh, and so you don't need these gift boxes. We, we make, we make <laughs> the champagne. The bottle is the gift, y'all. Yes, the wine is the gift. The champagne is the Not gift. Not the one minute of, yeah. No, but Ben, yeah. so we make, we make champagne. We don't make gift boxes. So, uh, so just by doing that, yeah. we have reduced by 8%. Uh, the uh, carbon emission by bottle produced. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot, uh, and so and it's a common sense decision that we took. That it's it's it's, it's easy to take. Huh, I would say, if people tell me yes, but are your clients ready? I said, listen, we did that June 2021. So we already have 18 months behind us, and I can tell you that the sales are doing very well without gift boxes. It's just a question of education. Education mm. about the retailers, about the people who are going to tell and to sell uh, your champagne. And second, I would say, you, we need to act as a true leader in the industry. And so we need to fix the new rules. And the new rules is to sell champagne, not give boxes. That was one example, Ben. And then I talked to the bottle. The bottle also is uh, in uh, the CO2 emission. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a big, it's a big thing. So we decided mm. two big statements. One is uh, to stop what we call the transparent bottle, you know, the clear through bottle mm -hmm. for the rose for the rose champagne or for the blanc de blanc. It's it's good to have, you know, like a transparent bottle, and not to have the green classic champagne bottle. And uh, because this transparent bottle, the clear through bottle, are made with zero percent of recycled glass, and the oh. green classic mm -hmm. champagne is made of eighty seven percent of recycled glass. So for mm -hmm. us now. Our rosé and blanc de blanc are in green classic bottle. So again, Ben, it's a very common sense decision. Mm -hmm. We are not reinventing the wheel here, but we go, I think, in the in, in the right directions that where mm -hmm. we want to go. And last thing, which is very for me a revolution, uh, if I may, it's the weight of the bottle. A bottle mm -hmm. of champagne. Uh, is uh, heavy because uh, you have a lot of pressure in a bottle of champagne. So it has to be, uh, you know, uh, how do you say that in English? Uh, the... has to be strong enough to... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, voilà. So the bottle or, of champagne... Or I guess it's I, the word that comes to mind for me is density. It has to yes, be a denser glass yes. Yes. To, to, to hold the pressure. 
Okay, yeah. So that makes yes. Sense. So so yes, you have you have you have uh, you have a lot of pressure in a bottle of champagne. So it has the bottle has to be strong enough and have to have the right density in order to uh, to answer to the pressure. Mm-hmm. And so uh, today it's uh, 835 grams for the lowest, the lightest bottle of champagne. And today we are working to make it at 800 grams, so minus 35 grams. So mm. we have 3,000 bottles in our cellars, uh, and we are making a lot of tests. And I think that we are going to announce in January that it's positive, and we are going to move to 800 grams, which mm. is a revolution. So this will help us big time to reduce our carbon footprint. I love it. And you're breaking tradition, right? It sounds like a, with the color of the, of the bottles, the density or the, or, the, or the structure of the bottles a little bit. And doesn't maybe sound like a lot to listeners, but when you're, you know, when your champagne house has been around over a hundred years, as well as other people's, it's a big change and uh, it's going to make a big impact and you have to lead on it in, in uh, some way. Are you getting, do you get pushback from other people in the industry? Do they, or I, I guess, are, um, are there a lot of naysayers out there because they're in the more traditional I would, say, I would say, I would say, uh, uh, Ben, we, we are we are going uh, uh, we are going in this path, and we are not judging anybody. Uh, we can do it because we have, you know, not we have a size that allows us to move into that directions. Mm. So that's why we are taking these big bold commitments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not judging, you know, the big champagne house. They will go step by step. Uh, and today in Champagne. You have a lot of great things coming here with the biodiversity, with the living soils. Uh, a lot of things, great things uh, have been done. With Telmont, we are going one step further and we are not here to judge you know, the other one. That's why I hope they are not judging us. And uh, on the opposite, I receive, <laughs> no, I receive a lot of positive comments from other president of Champagne House telling me, but thanks, Ludo, because uh, voila, uh, it's a great direction and what you're doing is good for the champagne at the end of the day for the champagne mm-hmm. region and so uh, so no no it's a lot of positive uh, That's positive uh, comments and i think it's uh, well, it's uh, it's great and uh, and uh, it's uh, again uh, it's uh, it's uh, 17 men and women at Telmont who took these decisions together well, it's very important to understand that it's a, it's, it's like a family move it really sounds like too you know, you're running your own race at Talmont. You're not running your race looking at all the competition to see what they're doing. You're just trying to play your own game. I think the leaders can take a lot from that. You know, you you're innovating because you are smaller and more nimble, and you're taking advantage of the advantages you have. You know, bigger champagne houses have other advantages, right? But you're playing the game that Talmont was really born to play. So uh, yeah. capitalizing on your strengths. Makes sense. And then you, you started by saying that we are a, a century champagne house, which is right because 1912. But today, we qualified ourselves as a century startup, actually, because mm. we have this heritage and past, but we are really acting as a startup, uh, taking like decisions, okay. uh, big commitments, and trying to, yeah. to, yeah. Go, to, 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 voilà, to go uh, to make this green revolution. So we call it this uh, a century startup, if it makes sense. Huh? Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. 
a great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So you're making a lot of changes uh, and you're and you're playing the long game here. Over the years, what's been your biggest source of inspiration? And what's one of the challenging times that it's gotten you through? Uh, biggest source of inspiration, I will say uh, three people really gives me a good inspiration. Uh, I will mention first Richard Geoffroy, uh, again, who used to be the winemaker of Dom Perignon, the Pope of Champagne. And uh, he really inspires me. Uh, he helps me. Uh, he was really acting as a mentor, you know, when I was working uh, with him. And uh, wow, I pay a big tribute to this guy who really uh, put me into the wine business. Uh, that's the first one. Second one, I would say uh, it's Serena Williams. I was lucky enough to, mm. uh, to meet Serena Williams a long time ago now. And she gives me this fighting spirit. When you think that the game is over, it's not over. Pushing the limits and pushing the limits Oof. again and again and never stop. And uh, wow. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, wow, okay, guys, we are out. Let's, uh, let's stop it. Let, let's stop it. Let's go mm. into it. It's not working. Stop, stop, stop. No. Every time I heard stop, stop, me, I hear, I'm hearing go, go, go. <laughs> and it's really this fighting spirits of Syria. Oh. So big tributes to Serena. Yeah, are you? And, uh, uh, so, and I hope she will. I hope she will hear this. Uh, this podcast. I will send yeah, her yeah. the podcast. Yeah. What's well, great, you know, so we're, we are huge Serena Williams fans in our house, and uh, you know, it, uh, when she retired, I was like, oh man, uh, that that saddened us so much. But then you realize what she's she's just sort of retiring from professional high level tennis. But she's got she's really trying to lead in business in so many interesting ways, which is so cool. Like she's really she's still out there making an impact, just maybe not on center court anymore. You know, she's a queen. Uh in court, in uh, out court, she's really the queen. And uh uh yes, uh, it's not it's, it's just an evolution of Serena. It's a second life of Serena. Hmm. And I think that she will have like maybe 10 lives. So we'll see. We are just at the second one right now. <laughs> Yeah. So fasten seatbelt. Well, no, this lady is amazing, yeah. and uh, Alexi Wine and the husband is like wow. It's, mm. it's really, really, uh, and Olympia. It's a really nice family. Well, so that was the second, third one. I would say that really inspires me uh, is Leonardo uh, with his uh, sustainability uh, mindset. Uh, I'm going to be super honest with you. But uh, ten years ago, I was not into sustainability. I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, I was doing my job and I was like acting with my kids and my wife and, and I was not totally into it. But spending some time uh, with Leonardo, he really put this sustainability seed in my mind. And uh, it's a tribute to that because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to look at, uh, it's very positive, you know, and it's very about science-based. And uh, so it gave me trust in that. And uh Voila, that's why today I say that we all can do something. We all can act. It's not just, we should not wait about climate change, fighting against climate change from the state, from the government, from the corporate, from your CEO. No, we Mm. all have a role to play. Even Ludo, I have a role to play. What is my role? What can I do? 
ben voilà, I'm just acting, euh, voilà. And I want to do it in a positive way, you know. It's very important for me that uh, when you talked about climate change, it's about like, uh, it has to be fun at the end of the day. Uh, and uh, and that's the way that you are going to uh, to, to, to get the new generation and to uh, that everybody is going to participate with that. And and again, we need to do it with common sense decision. Mm. The decision we took with Stelmont, they are common sense. I insist on that. Stop give boxes. Yes, okay. Stop transparent bottle because made of 0% recycled glass. Okay. Go with organic, uh, no pesticide. Okay, herbicide. Okay. No chemical fertilizers. Okay. Try to reduce the weight of the bottle. I mean, we are not reinventing the wheel. We are trying mm. to act at our level with our means, but everybody can do that in your personal life. And let's not wait others to do the job of sustainability. Yeah, there's something to that. So you obviously have passion and a strong, very strong leadership vision on where you'd want things to go in the business. Um, and there's this level, and I'm playing this see with the listeners too, of you deeply understand the strengths and the advantages and the moves you can make in a smaller champagne house in which you can do that give you that give you um yeah a, a competitive advantage versus much bigger brands and bigger production houses. And you're finding ways to innovate within that. And it sounds like, you I mean, you just re it's really coming together for you guys in so many interesting ways. Now, listening to, uh, uh, for our listeners, what are three success strategies that all employees need to understand? Oh, <laughs> I, I wish I knew that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew that, you know. Uh, I mean, first, it's very important that everybody understand that we are not perfect. We do a lot of mistakes and we learn from our mistakes that, big time. That's a great every one. Day, every day. I don't know if it's uh, the answer, but every day. So I would say, uh, advice, I would say it's just um, you need to have, a, when you start a project, a reason to believe in this project. You mm. need to ask yourself, what is your DNA uh, of your project? Uh, what is your reason to believe? What do you want to tell? Uh, uh, you want to act in the name of what? We want to act in the name of Mother Nature in the champagne business. So what does it mean? So you need to have a clear vision of uh, what is your project and where you want to go. It has to be very meaningful. If your project is meaningful, it can open a lot of doors. So that's why me, I was, I'm sharing with my teams. I'm telling them every time we want to do something, saying, okay, in the name of Mother Nature, without reason to believe, does it make sense? Yes or no? Yes, we do it. No, we don't do it. And no compromise there. So it's very important. And another advice I would say is creativity. Let's be creative. It's not because things have been done like that for centuries that you don't, you are not going to change them. Uh, and uh, voila, try to be creative. What's a tool or gadget that's contributed to your success that listeners could go out and purchase? So I didn't get that question. Can you ask yeah. it again? What's a tool or gadget that the listeners could go out and purchase that that's been helpful to you in your career? Ah, uh, but it starts by the, the, the passion. So I will say they should buy a bottle of Telmont. <laughs> <laughs> Because that then you're going to you. understand. 
No, but then you're gonna you're gonna understand. For, for me, uh, I started to 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 try to to buy some wines and to create my own cellars because I love wines, and so I started to have a different wines. I test them, and then you need to cultivate and to educate yourself and cultivate your passion. And uh, if you're passionate, uh, you are going to be good at that because people are going to feel your passion. So always mm-hmm. uh, for me, it's uh, try to find what is your passion and try to uh, but to be the best uh, in what you do. And if you like it, maybe uh, you can. Uh... Yeah, there's an element of, in what you just said, there's an element of, as a leader, help others experience your passion and share your passion. For you, it can be a very literal enjoyment because it's a bottle of champagne. Uh, but it's a challenge for leaders, right? Getting your team to buy in, getting them to see what you see. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a real art to that. Now, I, have, I, I, I yep, think that I think that we need to we need to uh, to help uh, us to spread the good uh, to spread the good words uh, and to have everybody to participate in that. What I realize, uh, Ben, is that we are not alone at Telmont, and that we have a collective. Can we say that a collective? Uh, yeah, in English? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yeah, we have a collective around us now. Uh, that has been created naturally, organically. So, of course, we have some wine growers, organic wine growers that are with us in this collective. But we go, we got a source of, uh, in gastronomy, some chef. You know, you mm. have the Green Star Michelin for the chefs that are really after sustainability. And we have a lot of Green Star Michelin knocking at the door and uh, starting to ah. enter our collective. And we have also like a, a, a fisherman very sustainable. And Mathieu Chappelle in the Mediterranean Sea is doing very like uh, uh, fishing with sustainability. You know? He entered the collective. And we oh, have a wow. guy who is a, 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 sell, a selling guy. He bought the trimaran of Ellen MacArthur. Uh, he, uh, he revamped it with uh, recycling materials. His hashtag is use it again. Up, he also knocked at the door. And now he's part of the collective of Telmont. And what mm. I realized is that Telmont is like we federate a lot of people in other universe. So from uh, from the ocean, from the sea, from fishermen, from the gastronomy, from and voila, they are part of. Yeah, we believe in the project, and mm. so I think to answer your question, uh, it's uh, you need to spread the good words and to make everybody enter your circle and to make them participate in the debate so they understand and they are they are part of it. Uh, it's not just a question of telling a message. It's a question for me of giving the message, but having people come with you and interact and debate makes them part of the story. Yeah. And I think leaders forget about this, right? You don't have to go it alone. And when your values are clear and your vision is clear, it will attract people from other industries, from other groups. And this can become a supportive group to you. I, I love how Telmont's kind of become the center of a universe or around this. And now you've got you know, chefs and fishermen coming in for, from different industries around the sustainability thing. It sounds like you're leading and more leading, leading even outside of, uh, of just the champagne industry. Now let's get down a couple of, so just one more question here, a couple around this. You've got leaders listening today and they're going to be going out. And they're going to be having business dinners. Uh, they're going to be, you know, they're going to, what's your recommendation? Um, if they're out 
business dinner and they're going to order some champagne is it, when should they order it? So sometimes people get confused. Like when do you order champagne for the whole meal, for the end, for the beginning? And what's your recommendation? I know if tonight I can welcome top 10 leaders at my table, what are we going to have uh, for the dinner for, for, for drinks? We're going <laughs> to start, awesome. we're going to start with Telmont champagne as the aperitif. Uh, I will say the reserve brut. Uh, it's a very, uh, I love this Telmont because it's very, mm. uh, ethereal, you know, it's very tiny, tiny, tiny bubbles, very elegant, very small bubbles. Yeah. It's a wine with a body, but it's not heavy. It's, uh, ah. up in the air. It's ethereal. So mm. it's perfect for the aperitif. They're going to love it. So I will go for Telmont for the aperitif. Then when I move to the dinner, the key question is, should I keep the champagne or should I move to a red wine or a white mm. wine? And I'm going to be honest. It's going to be, uh, let's say, a three-course menu. So the first one, you stay with champagne. You stay with me. And then we're going to go with a Telmont Blanc de Blanc. Blanc de Blanc means 100% white grapes. So, And this one will go very well. Uh, you go with a, a carpaccio of fish, of dorade. Wow, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then you will go to uh, the meal and then... I recommend personally to move on red wine. And then I will give you two red wines. Uh, I will give you, of course, Smith Olafit from the family Catiar. I love that from the Bordeaux. And then um, I will give you uh, the, the Chateau Angelus. I have, okay. I have, yes, I will, I will promote the Smith Olafit and the Chateau Angelus. And then you will feed totally two different wines. That's why, sorry, I was. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to get those from you in writing afterwards. So I make sure we yeah, link yeah, them properly. I will, I will. I will. And then I will move to the dessert. And then the dessert, you will have like a, a fruit passion souffle with a carrot. And you get with a Louis 13, a drop oh. of Louis 13 with this fruit passion. And then I think the night you can go to bed, drink responsibly, not too much. Uh, voilà. It's just about, you start with champagne, first meal with the champagne Telmont, then you can move to the red wine. I love personally uh, Smith Olafit, Angelus, uh, big time. And I will say Chateau Margot too, at the three I will put there. And then you move to the Louis XIII. That for me, the best dinner ever. You know, I'm glad that you broke that down. And for the listeners, I'm going to put that in the show notes so you can see see the framework there that he's offered. But I really believe that champagne is underutilized at business meals. And oftentimes, if you order that at a business dinner, it's a nice sort of uh, unexpected twist. Because a lot of times they people, as you, you know, and, you know, you, you know this, but champagne is often think thought about as a celebration, you know, moment. And I think it is, you know, great for that, but I get a business dinner to start. I think it really sets a, a different tone of a uh, possibility. I don't know. I have the answer for you, <laughs> Ben. It depends your business dinner. Do you want it to be a success, a celebration of success? So it has to go with champagne. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is it. Do you, do, you, do you celebrate success or is it a, maybe it's a business dinner which is not successful at all and everybody <laughs> is going against everybody. So do not go with Telmont there. But uh, <laughs> no, I want my business dinners to be like very, uh, very, uh, very successful. 
So champagne is the answer. So, so think about it, leaders. Setting the tone by some, setting the the tone of a business dinner for success by simply with what you order, which which is champagne. Yeah, for the right moment. Parting yes, words. And, pa- parting words here. What do yeah, you yeah, I, and you know, it's uh, at the end of the day, we need to uh, to stay very simple. Uh, and there is moment you want to drink champagne. There is moment you don't want to drink champagne. You want to have a, a good red wine, or you want to have a beer. Go for the beer, or you want to have a sake. Go with the sake. And you know, it depends of with who you are, what moment of the day, which mood you are. So. I would say we need to be super humble there and super open-minded about uh, what you what you want to drink and uh, with who. All right. Great advice. Such a fun interview today. Uh, man, we covered so many topics about passion, leadership vision, transforming your industry in, in positive ways, and, and of course, some really practical tips for business leaders out, out there. So uh, thanks, Ludovic. Appreciate your time. No, thanks for the interview. Thanks for the energy, the passion. I really love it. And I can't wait to celebrate and to drink Talmont in the name of Mother Nature. All right, here we go. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one bestselling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.